the Supreme Court said you can be Aryan, you can be Caucasian, but that doesn't mean you are white. There's just been an idea of people not wanting to be Black. And we look at the updated requirements for U.S. citizenship in 1870. Being from Africa was okay. Of African descent was okay. Being white was okay. But if you were somewhere in between and you didn't fit neatly into this box or this box, you were out of luck. Because he didn't try to fight for equality. What he actually tried to do was kind of sneak in through the back door. Hi, I'm Danielle Romero. Thank you so much for being with me again today on my channel, where I am in the middle of a series about how different groups were able to get citizenship in the United States. And almost all of that has pivoted on the term free white persons. And I want to talk today about the experience of Indian Americans naturalizing in the United States. Now, when I say Indian, I don't mean Native American, but really people from India of South Asian descent. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court has been brought in on these issues so many times, deciding not only who can become a citizen, but first, who is white? The U.S. Supreme Court said that you can be Aryan and Caucasian and still not be white and not have the right to become a U.S. citizen. Now, when I hear the term Aryan or Caucasian, it's, it's in the, the schema connects that to white, right? And it was just so shocking to me to see these being separated from each other. So 100 years ago, in 1923, there was an extraordinary man named Bhagat Singh Thind who found himself at the center of a legal battle that would challenge the very notion of race and citizenship here in the United States. I was deemed Aryan and Caucasian, but not white, and was not permitted to become a U.S. citizen. But before we get into the court case, I want to tell you a little bit about the man himself. A remarkable figure in Indian American history was an esteemed writer and lecturer on spirituality. He was actually Sikh. So his connection with the United States began when he enlisted in the army shortly before the conclusion of World War I. And after the war, he sought to become a naturalized citizen, capitalizing on this legal precedent that had granted Caucasians access to such rights. Now, if you have watched my video about the five skull types, um, if not, I'll link to it in the description. But there are these five skull types that people were kind of using as understanding about race. And one of them was Caucasian precedent that granted Caucasians access to such rights. Identifying himself as Aryan or Caucasian, he found himself at the center of a 1923 Supreme Court battle, the United States versus Bhagat Singh Thind. Now, at the time, as with these other court cases, there was this battle of this understanding of who is a free white person. Now, the founding fathers used this phrase that a free white person of good character was eligible to become a U.S. citizen. But then a hundred years later in 1870, after the Emancipation Proclamation, something else was added to that. So you could either be a free white person or you could be a person of African descent or an alien of African nativity. So that's right. You had to be either white or African to be a citizen. And he decided to argue that he, because he was Caucasian, he was white. 
Now, this court case is absolutely fascinating to me because until this point, there's just been idea of people not wanting to be Black. But all of that goes out the window when we look at the updated requirements for U.S. citizenship in 1870. But if you were somewhere in between and you didn't fit neatly into this box or this box, you were out of luck. The Supreme Court unanimously rejected Finn's argument, saying that he did not meet the, quote, common sense definition of white. In the ruling, the Supreme Court concluded that Finn's assertion of being Aryan or Caucasian based on linguistic similarities did not make him eligible for citizenship. That means the Supreme Court said you can be Aryan, you can be Caucasian, but that doesn't mean you are white. They firmly held that the term Aryan was unrelated to physical characteristics, so I'm, I'm not really sure what it would be related to, and that Finn's resemblance in language alone was insufficient to establish a common racial origin. Uh, his culture was too different to give him the designation as white. Now, remember, though, if you were of African heritage or African nativity, you could become a citizen. Now, this decision had far reaching consequences, as you can imagine, leading to the denaturalization. That's right. They took away citizenship from about 50 Asian Indian Americans who had earlier successfully applied and received U.S. citizenship. It was a deeply unsettling moment where scientific racial categories were clashing with societal perceptions and legal interpretations. I want to share a quote from the opinion of the Supreme Court written by Justice Sutherland from the Library of Congress. He said, the words of familiar speech, which were used by the original framers of the law, were intended to include only the type of man they knew as white. The immigration of that day was almost exclusively from the British Isles and Northwestern Europe, whence they and their forebears had come. When they extended the privilege of American citizenship to, quote, any alien being a free white person, it was these immigrants, bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh, and their kind, whom they must have had affirmatively in mind. It is a matter of familiar observation and knowledge that the physical group characteristics of the Hindus render them readily distinguishable from various groups of persons in this country commonly recognized as white. I just want to pause there and just reiterate the fact that you needed to be a free white person of good character or someone from African heritage. But think about that in the terms of what he's describing here. The children of English, French, German, Italian, Scandinavian, and other European parentage quickly merge into the mass of our population and lose the distinctive hallmarks of their European origin. On the other hand, it cannot be doubted that the children born in this country of Hindu parents would retain indefinitely the clear evidence of their ancestry. The 1923 Literary Digest article was called Hindus, Two Brunette to Vote Here, which is available through the South Asian American Digital Archive. Now, to understand this ruling, we have to delve into the reasoning provided by the court. The court justified its decision by stating the words that free white person, uh, which were from... Now, the court believed that the original framers of the law had intended only one type of person to be white people from the British Isles and Northwestern Europe. Finn had such an interesting perspective during this legal case because 
he didn't try to fight for equality. What he actually tried to do was kind of sneak in through the back door. And he pointed out that he was a, quote, high caste Hindu and stating that because he came from North India, the, quote, original home of the Aryan conquerors, then he must also belong to the Caucasian or Aryan race. Now, if you know anything about the caste system in India, um, it's pretty horrifying. He was trying to use this to his advantage to say, hey, we're not a, a monolithic group. There are levels and designations to people from India, and I'm at the top. And I'm I'm of the same heritage as so many of these other groups who are allowed to be white. Now, as a result of this decision, the path to American citizenship for individuals of Indian ancestry was just abruptly closed. Like I said, people were losing their citizenship, and now it was ju just over. Finn's own lawyer, Sakaram Ganesh, actually faced denaturalization himself during this court case. Now, the repercussion of these revoked naturalized statuses were enormous. So I want you to imagine that you've gotten citizenship in a country and all the rights thereof. Now it's gone. What rights do you have? Well, for instance, certain Asian Indian landowners in California suddenly found themselves subjected to the California Alien Land Law of 1913. Attorney General Ulysses S. Webb, who is a strong advocate for the Asiatic Exclusion League, you heard that right, actively worked to invalidate land purchases made by these people, promising to prevent Indians from acquiring or leasing land. With mounting pressure and the Immigration Act of 1917 preventing new immigration from coming in, which could have supported the Indian American community, you know, the more people coming in, kind of a louder voice, many Indians chose to leave the country. As a result, by 1940, only half of the original Indian population remained in America, about 2,400. It wasn't until 1935, so it's more than a decade later, when the Nye-Lee Act was passed, granting World War I veterans eligibility for naturalization regardless of race. And at this point, Finn made another petition for naturalization. This was his third one. And finally, based on his status as a U.S. military veteran, he was granted United States citizenship nearly 20 years after his initial application. As World War II unfolded, and public support for Asian Indians grew, along with the impending independence of India, the Indian community activated for an end to legislative discrimination. The repeal of the Chinese exclusion laws in 1943 and the extension of naturalization privileges to the Chinese community provided hope for similar progress among Asian Indians. Now, despite opposition from certain members of Congress and the American Federation of Labor, the Indian community gained support from influential congressmen and President Franklin D. Roosevelt. And ultimately on July 2nd, 1946, President Truman signed the Loose Cellar Act into law. This landmark legislation not only reversed the Thin decision, but also, ex also explicitly extended racial eligibility for naturalization to individuals from India, establishing a modest annual immigration quota of only 100 individuals. So they're saying, okay, well, you can come, but only this many of you can come. Now, the passage, though, of this act represented a significant milestone, nonetheless, in the fight against discrimination. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me in this story, honestly, is the fact that 
it wasn't just you have to be white to be a citizen because you can be white or African, but not anything in between. And I think this just goes to show how dangerous these these binary groupings are. People have kind of commented um, in, on these videos, oh, why are you only going after white as being something silly? Why aren't you going after black as something silly? Now, again, I know people use these terms to self-identify, and if that's how you identify, that's great. Like, use, use whatever terms you prefer. But when I'm stepping back and we're doing kind of the bird's eye view historically of this, to force people to say, I belong to this group or this group, and they really, they're somewhere in between. I would love your thoughts on this, because again, we've been kind of breaking things into this idea of like, who counts as white? Well, here we have this. It's like, who counts as white or who counts as black? And any, anything in between is out of here. And the other thing is like, this obviously is going beyond just skin color, though, because I have had friends who have, you know, origin from South Asia, and some of them are darker than people with African ancestry. So we can't just go and say, well, this is just colorism, because if it was just colorism, then they would not say people from Africa of African ancestry were okay to become citizens. Now, I know that it's directly tied to the Emancipation Proclamation and the enslaved people here in the United States, but it's just, it's just another part of this equation that we have to wrestle with. So if you are interested in watching any more videos like this, I'll leave the playlist here at the end. Let me know what you think. We'll talk soon.